This is Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 22nd of October, 2021. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. And I'm Bruce McQueen. And we'll start off with this story. We won't uh, engage in much speculation about it, but I find it very interesting and I find it hard to explain how Alec Baldwin shot two people on a movie set. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a story, an interesting story, because uh, there's a lot of, you know, the, the rest of the story is there's a lot of uh, union unrest. Apparently, uh, the prop guy was not a union guy, yada, yada. Yeah, uh, somebody had come on when the union guy walked off, and somehow a bullet ended up in the prop gun. Two bullets, actually, apparently. Uh, because he was shot, yeah, he shot, he killed one uh, woman and wounded another man. So I heard uh, originally, I heard it was one bullet in a blank, but okay. I yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm a little. They they keep saying this was a prop gun. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. I I can accept that it was a prop gun. Um, what I find difficult to accept is how a prop gun fires actual bullets. This sounds an awful lot like a gun gun. It was a gun gun. It's not a prop. You know, they call it a prop gun because it, it belongs to the prop department and the, and the prop guy. But it was a real gun. And something I read today said that, uh, you know, it, it it's essentially is uh, it's a real gun that fires blanks. Uh, and, and, of course, they talked about how uh, you know, others have killed themselves with these prop guns. Uh, one guy uh, put a blank in, spun the cylinder, fired it into his head, and the uh, wad that came out fractured his skull and drove a piece of bone into his head. So, you know, they're not something to be messed around with, but they are, in fact, real guns. Well, here's the thing, though. It fired a projectile of some sort. Was it a real bullet? I don't know. We don't have speculation on that. The, so uh, in the case that you mentioned, which is John Eric Hexum killing himself on mm-hmm. the set of his spy TV show, uh, he did have yeah. a blank firing gun. He put it right to his freaking temple and pulled the trigger. Uh, but right. that gun was specifically modified to use only blanks. It couldn't fire a projectile. And I'm just kind of curious as to... A, what an actual projectile was even doing on the movie set, and B, uh, I, I, I can't even imagine the the cascade of safety failures that would have to occur to allow an accident like this to happen. Well, they talked about that in some of the articles I read, the fact that uh, uh, it, it has, you know, safety protocols were obviously not followed. Uh, they didn't have the... You know, the union, of course, is saying, well, you didn't have a union prop guy on there. This other guy on there. But, yeah, they didn't uh, follow any, a lot of the safety protocols. And, you know, obviously one of them would be before you hand, if you're the prop guy, before you hand the gun to anybody, you make sure it's loaded with the proper stuff and that uh, they know how, you know, to use it, not point it uh, at anyone except uh, as directed by the director and yada, yada, yada. And uh, obviously no one checked. And I, what I haven't figured out or seen yet or don't know, and I would assume uh, based on what the film was, it, it, it was a revolver. Um, it's a Western, so I would presume so. Yeah, yeah, it's a Western. So I would presume it was a revolver. Well, God, if anything's easy to check real quick visually, it's a revolver. Yeah, all you have to do is just look in the cylinder and you can tell. So yeah, I don't know what the circumstances were. Um, 
Uh, it would be interesting to see what level of either civil liability for negligence or negligence or criminal liability for recklessness he might have. I can tell you one thing, even if I was on a movie set and a prop director handed me a gun, I would damn sure check it. Absolutely. I mean, that's second nature. Uh, yeah. You always check. I mean, yeah. okay, obviously I've been, I've been obviously I've I've been dealing with firearms for all of my adult life, especially, you know, being in the military, so I don't accept anybody's word that everything is fine. Yeah, what is the one thing, you know, if you're under arms and you're, you're going into a building, what is the one thing you uh, do before you go in the building? Clear. You, know, you you clear, and they have a barrel outside every damn building full of sand, and you clear it, and you point it down into the barrel, and you pull the trigger, and it clicks, you put it away. Uh, if, if it goes off, you're going to go see your company commander at a minimum. <laughs> But what was but, he doing pointing a gun at and firing it under any circumstance other than what he was being directed to? What kind of hijinks is going on there? Well, that's exactly what I think was going on. We don't know. Uh, but, you know, some I think there's some, <laughs> to use an old term, tomfoolery going on. And, uh, you know, it, it, because of uh, the lack of safety protocol, someone paid with their life. Well, Alec Baldwin has now said that he's going to uh, do some sort of uh, big gun control thing. He's really he's well, really serious of course about it. Is. But what he won't what he won't be saying is things like, "Gee, Liz Cheney's a lot like her mom, like her dad. I wonder if he's she's ever shot anybody in the face." Yeah. You know, he's a, he, he is the ultimate hypocrite, and uh, and he's he loves to uh, uh, make fun of people, uh, and and he, he you know. He's the one that did this. He and he can go on all the gun uh, uh, kicks he wants, but the fact remains, the ultimate uh, person that's responsible is the one holding the gun. Exactly. They, are, they should they should clear it. They should make sure the right steps in there. All that stuff doesn't matter what the other people do. You are the one responsible. And it clearly and Alec Baldwin happen. was yeah, and Alec Baldwin was responsible for it. Well, this is uh, an unfolding story because they're still investigating, uh, the police are, so I'm sure that over the next couple of days we'll get some some more information about that. Meanwhile, yeah. let's travel back to Afghanistan, where the Biden administration has now done a little bit of a backtrack on the, well, you know, we only left about 100 Americans in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. um, that number has now risen to 400. Well, and that's, yeah. Exactly. 363, uh, 176 of whom want to leave. But, you know, back in August, and this, and this is something that people don't realize, back in August, the U.S. estimated 8,000 Americans left in Afghanistan by the August 31st deadline. And through the evacuation, they said that maybe 17% of those who were evacuated were Americans. So... That may be a that four hundred may be a very low number as it turns out. They don't know, or if they do, they're not going to tell us. Yeah, it took them long enough to try to to have to backtrack, which they were forced to do whenever you know it became obvious that there were more than a hundred Americans there. Yeah, and yeah. they're so, never going to be forthcoming about that for obvious reasons, uh, unless they're forced to to be forthcoming about it. That's correct. Yeah, and and when you watch the uh, 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 the White House uh, uh, press conference each day, I mean that is holy crap! Talk about 
There's I, nothing that comes out of there. There's nothing that comes out of there that I would trust. No. Nothing. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Jim Pisaki thinks she's doing a great job. Oh, I'm sure she does. Yeah, that's the thing that just got, you know, you, you just smack yourself in the hot side of the head and go, holy crap, she thinks she's good at this. Yeah, arrogance and ignorance is no way to go through life, son. Or no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and she, uh, you know, she, she, she uh, other than when she has to come out and back off or crap that Biden said, she, she has already gotten into the, um, what was the one I saw the other day? Uh, something about, uh, anyway, whatever it was, she nitpicked the question. Uh, part of the question was, well, uh, why did they have to do it in the middle of the night? Well, uh, what do you mean by middle of the night? Well, it was 2 a.m. before him. I'd call that early morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes all the difference <laughs> in the world. Now, see, middle of the night yeah. would have been midnight. Therefore, your question simply is incorrect. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're going, holy crap. And she gets, she gets away with that crap? It was in the morning. It was, it was barely three and a half hours, four hours before sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and she she does that a lot. She she picks yeah. apart the question on some mm-hmm. irrelevant basis to try to take attention away from what the actual thrust of the question is, because she doesn't That's have correct. an answer for the actual thrust of the question. That's right. So this is delay, 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 nitpick, nitpick, um, and, and it's just it's tiresome. Uh, you can't get you know. I saw where. Um, they were talking about uh, sit-downs of Biden since he's been president. I think there have been nine. All of them have been pretty much uh, stage-managed, whereas I think Obama had 150 at this time. Uh, Trump had near 100. Um, you're never going to get this guy to sit down with anybody that, will actually, that, that can actually ask him questions that aren't scripted or, or in a venue that isn't uh, 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 totally controlled. Yeah, in fact, the one real exclusive interview he's done, he's done with George Stephanopoulos, former Clinton staffer. Yeah. Yeah, that was four or five days ago, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, bit, a bit longer than that at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't take press what? he doesn't take questions at press statements or anything like that. I mean, the the, the shot of him walking away without answering questions, I, I think at this point, is the the photo of his administration encapsulated. Well well that and him uh you know, folded over his notebook on the podium. Uh that uh, pretty much says it as well. Although we have a new one here, this we've got this Popeye look now. He's got that <laughs> white power that. sign over his eye or whatever it is. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah, I, I wonder how many people are having daily meetings just to see, you know, how many more days they think they can drag Joe down the road to get him to two years in one day. It is. I mean, it's just. Oh my God. This is, uh, you know, if it weren't so serious, it'd be hilarious. Yeah, unfortunately, um, it is serious. He did come out and uh, earlier this week, I think uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, finally admitted, you know, this inflation thing is hard and it's going to be tough and it's going to take a while to get through this. Well, hello. Now tell us something we, we don't know, which is at yeah. least at least an admission that there is a problem happening rather than, oh, well, hey, look, it, you know, it, it's only for you to feed your entire family. It's only going to cost a, a dollar more this July 4th than last year. Well, I yeah. guess that's no longer operative. No, I think it was 14 cents we saved. 
Oh well, whatever so, whatever it was, it was it was, it was pure something oil. stupid. Yeah, it was something stupid. Yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, you know, when I ask about the, when you're gonna, go to, well, I guess I, I guess I need to go, and then and then the White House comes out and spins. Well, he's been to the board. When, oh, oh well, um, um, we think 2008. Yeah, well, that doesn't quite apply, does it? Yeah, we're talking about now. Oh, they had to back off of his. Uh, uh, National Guard statement where he said, yeah, we'll get National Guard and drive trucks and stuff. Yeah, he, he doesn't have that power. No. Um, he, 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 he did the foreskin foxtrot on Taiwan. Uh, they had to back off of that and, and uh, uh, say, yeah, well, you know, basically what we've always had a strategic ambiguity on that. And that's, you know, we, we've never said that we would do that. Well, until Joe did. Yeah, well, I, I at this point, I think we could use a lot less strategic ambiguity now. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't disagree with him saying it personally. Uh, actually, that was that was, I think, the sole bright spot in <laughs> the entire debacle of a town hall meeting. And and I, I expect that strategic ambiguity is as far as the administration will ever be willing to go. Yeah, I think that's right. And I expect I they'll so. be ambiguous right up into the point that the Chinese APCs roll into the capital of Taiwan. Yep. And he won't do so. anything about it. Although, interesting, no, I don't, I interestingly don't do enough, the Japanese have decided, you know, we had a couple of aircraft carriers several years ago called the Hiryu and the Soryu. Let's just remake them. So now the, the Japanese Naval Self-Defense Force is building itself a carrier fleet. Hmm. Yep. And they're also being out since they're buying the F-35, the vertical uh, uh, takeoff, uh, the Marine Corps version. Uh, they're also going to be putting those on other ships. So they're going to have uh, a peppery little force out there. Yeah, they, they definitely are. And, you know, we, we kind of think of America and maybe Great Britain occasionally and, you know, on very occasionally France are really the only countries that have a carrier-based Navy. Well, I think the Japanese are about to have one, and I think it's about to be bigger than the Chinese navies. Yeah, the Chinese, you know, it's it's... Yeah, the Chinese have some carriers. Yeah, but that takes years and years of learning how to use them, how to deploy them, how to protect them. You know how how they uh, are used strategically, how they're used tactically, and they have no background in doing that. We, on the other hand, have been doing it well since you could have an aircraft carrier, and we've got a lot more than they'll ever have. So yeah, you know I I, I hear the I hear the Chinese, you know, beating their chest and all that good stuff. But they really, uh, in the power projection business, uh, and I'm talking naval power projection, they really are, are still a regional power. I wonder if the Chinese realize that. I don't know. See, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of miscalculation I worry about. I mean, it's one thing to yeah. say the Chinese really don't have, I mean, sure, they could hire a bunch of freighters, but... You know, you can you can sink freighters with a pop gun. Uh, one of the, the things that submarines used to have six inch deck guns, right? And the whole reason yep. for them was to sink freighters uh, because they didn't want to waste they didn't want to waste torpedoes. So that's right. They had to they'd have to go in and rearm with torpedoes. So they just shot. They just 
shot him up with the deck gun. Yeah, freighters aren't survivable. And you want to load up, you know, two or 300,000 folks on freighters. Okay, be my guest, but don't expect them to make it very far out into the blue water uh, once hostilities start. And well, the Japanese the Japanese learned that on Iwo Jima. I mean, we, we just got uh, reminded of that this week when the volcano lifted their fleet from the bottom of the ocean and put it up on the beach. Yeah, so, but, but yeah. my fear is, as I was trying to get to before we got off on, on, before I got sidetracked, is I wonder if Xi actually realizes or the Chinese have enough humility to recognize that any sort of attack on Taiwan, if anyone opposes them at all, including possibly even Taiwan, it might not be a very successful attack. But it's it's the the arrogance and the overconfidence that worries me, that yeah. they might end up sparking World War III because they think they're better at this than they might actually be. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that may be the case. Um, if they're, they're, you know, really looking at their Navy as, as one of the main tools of that invasion, because I think what they have as a Navy now, should we actually get serious about them, it wouldn't last long. And then their power projection all comes from onshore with aircraft. And that, too, can, you know, pretty much be handled. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting, uh, question. I hope they don't, but you know, the other side of this too, Dale, that you have to remember just as well is China is going through some economic problems right now. It's going through some power problems. It's, uh, it's got all kinds of things on its plate right now. And you have to wonder if at some point, you know, old LZ might say, you know, we need a distraction. Yeah, a short, victorious war, as the saying right. goes. Yeah, yeah. And you go, okay, it's time to reunite. Yeah, I, I, you know, I understand the reason for the quote-unquote strategic ambiguity that we've exercised mm-hmm. since 1973. I understand mm-hmm. why it exists. But I, I, I can't help but wonder if we may not be at a point where we make a statement of, you know, uh, we understand that China and Taiwan have their issues. We understand that China feels that Taiwan is a renegade province. And we would like nothing more than to see some sort of reunification between China and Taiwan. But we would expect that under any circumstance to be one that was mutually agreed to by Taiwan and China, and not a solution pursued by force. Yeah, and you can also make the argument that it's not a rogue province of China, that it was ceded uh, to the uh, uh, Imperial Japan in 1895, and in 1945, uh, the uh, Republic of China took it and still occupies it. Yeah, the, the, the historical argument around that can be made uh, a couple of different ways. Yep, they can. So, yeah, it's it's not as righteous a claim as they, they would have you believe. Uh, and, you know, they're just, they have it in their head that it's theirs. And it was stolen from them well, when, in fact, it was their government that ceded it in 1895. Yes, well, the... the, the uh, that gets us into very complex uh, stuff. But yes, the nationalist Chinese just all 
fled there and took the island over. Japan didn't make a big stink about it, but of course they were not in any position to do so. So not at the time, no. Not in nineteen forty nine. Not at the time. And so, you know, it yeah, well, it, it de facto just fell to Chiang Kai shek. But um the, the Chinese st- uh, belief or statement has always been, and by the way, I'm talking because Bruce got uh, got tossed off of Zoom somehow, but the Chinese argument has always been that this is our land, and if Chiang Kai-shek was there, uh, well, he lost, and because he lost, we get it, which um, at least sounds marginally plausible, but they've never had the ability to enforce that. Yeah. And Chiang Kai-shek uh, w- was still at the time that the, he took the island the recognized government of China. Correct. Yeah, China didn't get formally recognized until or the People's Republic of China until for, for years. So you can play. Yeah, you, we we can play this game forever. It seems. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, nationalist China it, did have a seat on the United Nations Security Council until the 1970s. Right. Right. When it finally became hard to ignore civilian people. Yeah, well, what is it that Stalin said? Quantity has a quality all of its own. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> now, when you got that many hey, people, way, it's kind of hard not to recognize you. I want to toss kudos out to uh, a, a company that is is all out in your area. Good old In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, they I, have, I was. They've decided to join the resistance, my friend. I'm telling you, and they, and they didn't. They didn't screw around and, and dress it up in fancy words. Uh, their statement when they were, you know, were told that they had to, uh, they had to check a vaccine of, of their customer or vaccine passports of their customers said, "We fiercely disagree with any government dictate that forces a private company to discriminate against customers who choose to patronize their business." This is clear government overreach and is intrusive, improper, and offensive. And I thought, God, I love this company. Please come out here to the east, would you? <laughs> oh, look, uh, we're we have to go out tomorrow to you know make a couple of runs. You got to go to the pharmacy. You got to go to Home Depot and and pick up a couple of things. And Chris has already made it clear that she expects to have a double double uh, tomorrow. There you morning. go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's uh, uh, I, I, I I like that. That's the way to be. And I notice all the airlines are catering now to their employees. Uh, I think American came out and said, yeah, nobody's getting fired over this. Southwest has said, we're not enforcing it. And Delta, of course, said, yeah, no. So I'm glad to see this stuff. Well, and at the same time, we are still waiting because six days ago, well, seven, eight days ago now, um, OSHA sent its proposed regulation for a vaccine mandate for review and it has uh, disappeared since then. Well, good. So, you know, and the administration has been anything but clear on what the status of that mandate is and why it's taking so long for it to be promulgated. Yep. And, and of course, we also all know that OSHA has doesn't have the staff or the size to really fairly enforce it so and 26 states are going to be tritty trotting right into federal court the second it's announced amen yep yep i wonder what bernie sanders thinks of that 26 out of 50 states isn't that more than 
48 and two. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. <laughs> 26 states shouldn't tell 50 states what to do. <laughs> Bernie never was good at that. Yeah, well, that's why he's a commie. Yeah, exactly. That's also <laughs> why he's never worked a day in his life and is still a rich man. Yeah, Bernie, three Washington. houses, Sanders. Yeah. Jeez. I wouldn't mind having three. Actually, I would mind having three houses. What I've been going through with this house <laughs> since we had that slab leak is enough to turn me off to multiple home ownership. I'll tell you. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I, I work part-time over in the, at the uh, arena here in, near Atlanta, uh, an arena here in Atlanta. And uh, we had a... Uh, we have a show that's coming that has decided that it's going to have everybody uh, check for COVID uh, passport, you know, COVID vaccination or a COVID test. And I politely told him I will not work that show. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how many people decide not to do that as well. Yep, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Southwest Airlines had had that big uh, sick out that they blamed on absenteeism and said it had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do whatsoever yeah. with vaccine mandates. <laughs> I don't even know where you're getting yeah. such a crazy idea. I, you know, I did not know that Baghdad Bob had that many faces. Yeah, I mean, well, um, it's interesting to see that everybody is backing off of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what it took. It just took a few. And now the rest are going, okay, yeah, if they're not doing it, I'm not doing it. And, and that's pretty well what happened. And I, I I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of how I know this, but I do know that in terms of trying to sell a vaccine tracking application to companies, there's a lot of resistance. They're uh, waiting to see, A, if there will be a mandate. And of the, I think, 22 states have now said there can't be a vaccine mandate in their state. Uh, there's mm -hmm. just a lot of ambiguity about, well, can the federal government do this? If a state says we're not going to do it, can the federal government force them to do it? And so there's a lot of hesitation from businesses who, you know, if they're forced to do it, they'll do it. But there's a lot of hesitation out there among businesses because the the actual legal authority for it still seems so up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, the, the enforcement side of it, um, I, I just don't see it. I don't see, I certainly don't see any sort of uh, uh, fair enforcement, that's for sure. Uh, but I don't see how they can cover everything they need to cover with, with the size of, you know, OSHA is the one that's driving. And we already have, for instance, uh, the uh, LA County Sheriff said, yeah, we're not doing that. I don't care what they come up with. I, you know, and many, and I guess, what, when does the Chicago thing go into place? That's what um, really it was supposed to go into place, I believe, um, on the 15th, and there was so much resistance to it that they've now extended that to the end of the month. And they had some officers who were threatened with discipline, and they said, oh, yeah, what discipline? Well, we, 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 we don't know. But something pretty darn disciplinary, we can assure you. Um, and... It, so far as I know, it's still up in the air. So when the 31st of the month hits, will they start enforcing it? I I don't yeah. know. Do you want to lose 5 or 10% of your officers right now? Because that's how you lose 5 to 10% of your officers. Yeah. And maybe yeah. even more. Right. I mean, the 5 to 10% number was the number that the L.A. County Sheriff's Office came up with. 
Um, yeah. Who who knows what it is? You know, individually. I think it's a little more. I think it's a little more in Chicago because they're really well. I I think you know some of this is definitely about the the vax mandate, but but I think a lot of it's also just about Lori Lightfoot, and you know, in your face, Lori. Yeah, she's not popular with the uh, CPDs. And for good reason. Yes, indeed. Uh, she deserves every turn back she gets. <laughs> but, you know, seeing pushbacks against these mandates, and you know, that's another thing, and I'll, I'll just throw this out here there for us to talk about for a second, is the, the framing around saying, hey, I don't think you have the authority to make such a mandate has been changed into, well, you're just an anti-vaxxer. Ah, that's yeah. not a fair... That's not a fair response. No, and, and that's what I've told people. I said, I have gotten a vaccine because I thought that was what was best for me. And that is something that everyone should be able to, that's a decision everyone should be able to make. And the fact that I don't think everybody should be mandated for a vaccine and the fact that I've gotten it certainly doesn't make me any vaccine. And look, it's difficult to trust almost anything the government says about it. You can look and see oh, how they're God. like, like the, the the thing that Rachel Walensky at the CDC said this week, which basically indicated that kids are going to have to wear masks, vaccinated or not, for yeah. as far into the foreseeable future that we can see. And as far as I can tell, we're practically the only country in the world that is requiring children to be masked. And we're on the verge of requiring, you know, five to 12 year old children to be vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And they are the lowest uh, risk uh, demographic out there. Uh, very, very. I mean, in, in the half a percent range uh, for, for dying uh, of COVID. Uh, so instead of treating it like the seasonal flu, we've decided that it's smallpox, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think the temptation of maintaining whatever power this gives them over the general public by scaring them is just too intoxicating to let go of. So yeah. so every time that there's something that shows up that looks like, okay, well, this may be an improvement. We may be pulling out of this. Look, we got 70% of the population have at least one shot. Once we reach herd immunity, we'll be fine. And remember, we were talking about herd immunity at, at 70%. Uh, a year and a half ago, and yeah. now it is, well, herd immunity, as Fauci said about two weeks ago, well, I, I'm thinking about 99% vaccination gets us to For herd God's immunity. Sake. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so the goalposts keep shifting, and yeah, you know, you, if you can't be trusted and consistent, trustworthy and consistent in your statements, and everything that you say seems to indicate that you are going to be forcing this down our throats for as long as you possibly can, then don't come to me whining because people don't want to take the vaccine or people don't trust what you say. Well, there's a reason people don't trust what you say because what you say has proven to be not very trustworthy. A year and a half ago, Anthony Fauci was saying, there's no way the federal government can mandate vaccines. It's just not our authority. We can you know, try to get people to take them and we can say it's a great idea, but we can't really have a vaccine mandate. Well, that's certainly not his position today, what changed? Yeah, and nor is it Joe Biden's who said, yeah, no, vaccine mandate, we can't do that. And yet here we are. And by the way, how is OSHA, a, a, a federal agency that basically has no real presence in American business outside of the construction industry? 
How in the world are they going to enforce any such mandate? They can't. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. They cannot. They don't. They don't have the the uh, uh, structure to do something like that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's it's a you know it's a it's for some it's a feel good measure. For most, it's a pain in the ass, bunch of horse crap. Well, and the fact that they've made it so punitive with thousands of dollars in fines for oh yeah every infraction. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. I guess the expectation is if we tell you to do it, you'll do it simply because we told you you'll do it and you want to avoid any possible attention. But there's no way you can enforce that, certainly not enforce it fairly, which to me brings up a a number of constitutional issues about enforcement of the law and enforcement of a regulation. If, If it's not even possible for the government to attempt to enforce it fairly, then there are going to be subjective criteria that determine whether yeah. that law gets enforced or not. Uh, subjective criteria is just black letter unconstitutional. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, that's, but, but again, this is an administration that has decided, yeah, we probably can't do that, but you know, we're going to do it and let the court sort it out. Yeah. Well, that's been, and, that's, and that's been the MO. Yeah, that's been the yeah, MO, for, MO for several policies. We're just, yep. we're going to say we're going to, it's like the rent moratorium. Well, we're going to do it. Now dare the Supreme Court to stop me. And okay, right. so the Supreme Court stops you. Exactly right. And that's, uh, that's exactly what happened. But, you know, it comes down to the basic competence of the Biden administration. <laughs> and, and basic competence and the Biden administration, admittedly, not something one would expect to hear in the same sentence, but they they seem to be making PR moves, not serious moves, yeah. not moves that would actually ameliorate the situation. It, it It's theater. It, it really is with this administration theater. Well, people expect hey, us to do hey. something. We don't know what to do. So here's something. Now we've done something. They have a whole set. Like they have a whole set to do that on them. Yeah, I mean, and it, that's, it's every you know, single just, policy area that this administration controls, it, whether it's Afghanistan or inflation or the supply chain or vaccines or whatever it is. Well, let's do something. Doing something is better than doing nothing or admitting there's nothing we can do because that's the last thing this administration will ever do is just say, look, there's nothing we can do. This is on you. You do what you think is best. Take care of yourself and this is what we think you should do, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do it. It's out of our power. They just simply can't bring themselves to admit that. Yep. And that's why we have this, as you said, this theater going on. And so I'm, I'm wondering if the, this OSHA regulation will ever make it past legal review in, in the administration. I don't think it will. I mean, it may. <laughs> well, I mean, they may prom. Well, if it doesn't, then they simply don't promulgate it. And at some point, Joe Biden then has to explain where his vaccine mandate is. And yeah, if they I do just, promulgate it, then immediately we're going into federal court, and every lawyer in the Justice Department is going to be shuttling to the twenty-six states that are ready to make a what appears to me a valid Tenth uh, uh, Amendment claim against it. Yeah. 
So you know, right. But you know, as long as he can say this regulation is coming, I think he can hold the dogs off for another couple of weeks. But at this point, it's now been a week since the OSHA uh, regulators sent what their proposed regulation would be, and we haven't heard hide nor hair of it. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what it is they want to come up with. I am too, and uh, it's <laughs> again, you know, as you pointed out, and I pointed out before, they just. If it's up to OSHA, it ain't going to happen uh, in any fair way. It's not going to happen in any consistent way. Uh, it'll just be voluntary compliance, if uh, anything. And uh, there are going to be a ton of folks that uh, once they see how this works, they're going to avoid it, uh, you know, work around it, figure out a way. I, I would be curious to see what the compliance level would be if rather than a punitive regulation like they're proposing, they just came up with a list of recommendations for businesses where people are in any sort of close contact and say, this is what we think you should do. Um, we're willing to stand by and help and give advice, but um, you, know, you have to do this yourself uh, if it's going to be done. Uh, that doesn't yeah. seem to be something the Biden administration would do, but if someone were to do that, I think it'd be interesting to see what the level of compliance would be. Given adequate guidance of what the federal government thinks would be a good program, it'd be interesting to see how many companies decided to implement it. I think it would be minimal, uh, and, and I and I, uh, I offer as proof uh, stadiums around the country full of full of fifty to one hundred thousand people. Yeah, well, you know. I may be able to keep you from going to work, but by golly, I can't stop you from going to a football game, can I? And that's the thing. And and, and the venues out there that are doing concerts and that type of thing, there are no masks. Uh, you know, it's uh, th- this is something that the American people have looked at and go, okay, I'm tired of this. This isn't, uh, this isn't I've taken the things that I feel, uh, I've done the things that I feel are necessary to ameliorate the uh, the risk. Uh, I'm willing to take the rest of the risk. Get out of my way. Yeah, well, that 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 is the thing. I think a lot of people have already done whatever it is that they think they need to do um, to fit their own personal risk profile. They've already done that, and they're pretty yeah. comfortable with where they are now. And so it's already been horrendously inconvenient for many people. Um, it's been a long-standing and ongoing burden. I suspect that people are starting to get a little tired of being told how they have to live their lives. At yeah, least, I, at least yeah. a significant number of people have. Obviously, there's there's always going to be thirty percent who would shoot you in the head if a government officer, government agent, said to do it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that you know you're never going to change. Uh, but the fact is, uh, we're not a country that. Uh, you know, it does well under this type of uh, authoritarian rule. And that's what this is, uh, especially when we don't see, A, uh, the so-called leaders of the country living up to their words, and B, have had, what, almost two years now to uh, assess the situation ourselves and go, yeah, this isn't as bad as they say. I've lived through it. And that's where we are right now. You know, these guys who are the so-called leaders, they don't pay any more attention to the mask mandate than anybody does, uh, as one of them. Which uh, is telling, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One one of them said, hey, I I wear it only when the cameras are on. Yeah, I know. We all know that. (laughs) 
had. You're not telling us anything we don't know. And we'll yeah, exactly. And we'll so if we'll believe it's an it's, existential crisis when you start acting like it's an existential you know, crisis. Exactly. So as with the climate change, when you quit you know, getting in your SUV to go to the airport and flying out on a private jet to some conference somewhere to denounce uh, the rest of us trying to make a living uh, and, and say we, you're going to take away our, our uh, fossil fuel, uh, we're not going to take it seriously. And that, I think, is the problem because it's a hard argument to make, even though it is one that the Biden administration is, is, is continually making. Who are you going to believe, us or yeah. your own lying experience of the last two years? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and I think uh, I think his poll will show who, who they are. <laughs> yeah, well, he's kind of down in the cellar. I think he's, what, down to 33% now? So he's you know, down to the you know, he's down to the the rock bottom of the, the the people who will do anything the government tells them to do simply because it's the government. That's right. He is at the political Mendoza. You know, yeah. he uh, <laughs> he uh, and and what you have to realize is that's the Quinnipiac poll, which always oversamples Democrats. Yeah. So if he's doing bad there, what is a uh, <laughs> what does a Rasmussen poll look like for this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he is in the dumper. And uh, independence, uh, man, they have. They're over Joe Biden. It's hilarious to me now. Where, where I, you know, where I hear and see, uh, let's go, Brandon, uh, hollered or written. It's it's funny stuff. I mean, that has that has really taken off. Yeah, well, you know, they've got it on billboards now. For goodness' sake, so that's going to be that's going to be. Uh... That's good. That's one for the history books. That's going to be around for a long time. And look, as long as the, as long as this collection of incompetent buffoons keep screwing things up, it's not going to go away. I mean, this this let's go Biden thing didn't show up because he's the the model of cool competence. It's because everything he touches turns to crap. Yeah, and has his entire political career. That's what like yeah, they, mean, they, that's say in, they say insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Um, it seems kind of insane that anyone would vote for Joe Biden and expect calm, cool, collected competence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even when he had all his, his mental faculties, he, he didn't have any of that, you know? <laughs> exactly. He's been, a buff- he's been a buffoon the entire time he's been in the Senate. There is not a piece of legislation anywhere that I know of that has his name on, uh, you know, uh, uh, worthwhile legislation. Uh, well, uh, I, I think he did co-author the the assault gun ban in the Senate. Oh, well, see what I mean? Nothing that he's done is worthwhile. <laughs> so uh, the guy is uh, has no history. He is, he is uh, everything he has done, he screwed up. Uh, even his boss made that point. And uh, here he is doing then, exactly what we and, all knew he'd do. And, and then he has the nerve to get upset and belligerent when people point that out. Yeah. Yeah. How, man, the, the, how, do how dare you, sir? How dare or Greta Thunberg? How dare you? He's the, the yeah. Greta Thunberg of politics. Boy, no kidding. Yep. So. You know, he, he, we've got this going now with with him uh, or with everybody backtracking all his crap out of his town hall meeting, but which, by the way, tanked. Apparently, it was uh, yeah, not. It was twenty three percent below the last town hall that CNN did with him, and uh, he's uh, yeah, he's just not. 
right. Well thought of Basically, by much of anybody. People increasingly have realized that Joe Biden doesn't have anything useful to say. Right. And so they don't listen. <laughs> Except for the outtake clips, you know? Yeah. 81 million votes. Yeah. Which reminds me, Donald Trump is sounding more and more like he thinks he's going to run for president in 2024. Which I do not think is a good idea. I think it's an absolutely awful idea. And yeah. of course, I think it's awful that Republicans are still turning to him and requesting his endorsement and all of that stuff. He's a former president. We're not going to we're not going to James A. Garfield, this bad boy, and or, or Buchanan, uh, this bad boy, and bring him back uh, after a four-year hiatus. He needs to understand that... He, for whatever reason, a fork was stuck in him, and he's done. Because yeah. I I wonder if there is anybody other than Donald Trump that Joe Biden could beat in a fair election. Um, not at this point, I don't think. Uh, well, wait a minute. Is Mitt Romney still? Yeah, he's still. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's always Mitt Romney, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I you know right now my 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 favorite of those that uh, whose names are being bandied about is Ron DeSantis. I I like the way he does stuff in Florida. I like the way he handles the press. I like the way he handles hard questions. Uh, I like his policies, and I think he'd be uh, the guy who could get a lot of stuff done that needs to be done, uh, especially if he came in you know and and at least had the Congress for two years, um, but. The thing is, when you look at head-to-head polls, he gets like 12%. Donald Trump gets, you know, the lion's share. Yeah, that's the... that. I, I would like nothing better than to be done with Donald Trump. I would, too. Uh, I, I will be the first to say that he did a lot of stuff, or his administration did a lot of stuff that I thought was good, and I agreed with, and, and still agree with. Uh, however, he is such a divisive fi- uh, figure uh, I don't see why someone else, now that he's shown the way, can't come in and do that without all the divisiveness. Yeah, but you know there is um, there's kind of a, a cult of personality built up around the guy. Oh yeah, there definitely is. There definitely is. Well, it's like Obama. Obama had the same thing. Yeah, and that's never uh, a good sign, by the way. No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I agree with you. And uh, and so I'd like to see him move on uh, with his little uh, media empire that uh, has shot up 400% in the last few days and they've all to trade. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, be satisfied with that. But uh, he needs to kind of check out of politics. Yeah, also at his age, I just don't think he'd be a... a- a great president because you know he's going to be three years older then than he is now, and you know, well, no he'll be the same many... age as Joe Biden. Yeah, he'll be the same age yeah. as Joe Biden is now. Yeah. So yeah. again, another geriatric. I'd like to have somebody Sweet. that because no matter how well intentioned, I don't think that a seventy-eight-year-old Donald Trump has two terms in him. No. And no. I think a fifty-year-old former Navy SEAL probably does. Yeah. Well, I guess you know the the we got another year till the congressional election. I guess we'll we'll see something then. I imagine if that congressional election were held today, that five seat Democratic majority would go bye bye. Yeah, I think so. And and I think uh, one of the bellwether elections right now, 
is the uh, uh, Virginia governor's race coming up. I mean, wh whether Youngkin wins or not, uh, it shouldn't be close. You know, uh, it, it, Virginia is no longer a purple state. Virginia is a blue state. So if it's if it's close or he squeaks out a win, I'm talking Youngkin. Um, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in deep trouble. Well, uh, the interesting thing about Terry McAuliffe is he's starting to, uh, in the last day or so, has started to switch gears and talk about much more conservative policy positions than he has been throughout the rest of the election. I'd, I'd, I'd pay a couple of dimes to see what his internal polling looks like. Oh, it's got to be a disaster. I mean, when you, and, you know, his other gear switch was to go after Trump, as usual, you know, the old, old Democrat playbook, and to bring in all the buffoons from Washington Biden, Biden's wife, uh, Obama, you know, uh, the election has been nationalized. There's no question about it. Uh, as I told somebody the other day when they were talking about it, I said the worst thing that could happen is Trump show up there. Uh, Youngkin would, be, would lose. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, but, it, but it, it, I think it's going to, you know, it is a nationalized election now. And I think it's going to reflect uh, 2022 pretty well. Yeah, the best thing Trump could do at this point, as far as that election goes, is to keep his mouth shut about it. Well, you know, it, it was like I was telling somebody they were talking about elections and stuff. And I said, well, you know, I, I blame Donald Trump for the losses of Senate seats in Georgia. Yeah, so do what I. What do you mean? What do you mean? I said, he stood up in a rally and said, don't vote. He stood up in a rally well, and look, said, he just, those machines are rigged. The rigged election's rigged. Don't vote. I said, guess what? They didn't, and the Republicans lost. Well, here's the other thing he did this week is he said, look, we know the election system is screwed up, so Republicans shouldn't vote in 2022 or 2024. Stay yeah, at home. Yeah. They're just going to steal it from you anyway. I, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine anything that is more, had he tried, if he was trying to destroy the Republican Party. Yeah, he, and especially we would be doing nothing talking, different. Yeah, when you you know cult of personality wise, you know that's the point of a cult. The cultists listen. And uh, oh, one other thing I did want to touch on was uh, uh, apparently our great intelligence agencies were surprised again when China launched a hypersonic missile. Yeah, China says it was a spacecraft, and you can believe as much of that as you want. <laughs> And uh, the funny thing was immediately after that, there, there were all of the the uh, think pieces uh, bemoaning how far behind we are in the hypersonic missile race. <laughs> a, yeah, race that, a, that, a race that, that literally 24 hours prior, no one knew existed, by the way. Exactly. And, uh, but, but the line that caught my attention is, we have no idea how they did this. And I thought, it doesn't surprise me that you had no idea. You guys are more interested in freaking proper pronouns and spying on internal domestic terrorists. Well, you know, we always talk about institutions um, and how how useless our modern institutions are. And as an institution, the CIA is the same institution that right up until the Soviet Union collapsed, said that, A, it wasn't going to collapse. Oh, and its uh, economy is a third larger than it actually is. And they were wrong on all counts. Yeah. The, the CIA has been consistently wrong. And it's actually been longer than that. I remember when um, 
the dictator of Indonesia, uh, uh, Sukarno, uh, survived an assassination attempt. And uh, Bill Buckley wrote in National Review, it had all of the hallmarks of a CIA operation in that <laughs> it managed to kill everyone but its intended target. Yeah. Yeah, our, our, the CIA reminds me of the Joe Biden of the intelligence services, you know. Yeah, these, these are they, not the uh, same cowboys who uh, flew around uh, Europe in 1944 for the OSS. Let's just put it that way. No, no. And that's, uh, yeah, we're not well served by our intelligence services. And uh, I, you know, I, who was it I was reading? Gates, uh, former Secretary of uh, Defense, talking about Joe Biden and talking about Afghanistan and how, how it crushed him, how he was literally depressed for two or three weeks. And uh, he said, and all that stuff about over-the-horizon capabilities, he says, that's rainbow stuff. He says, we don't have any over-the-horizon capability that's going to do any good. There. Oh, yeah, we can shoot missiles over the horizon, but unless you got somebody on the ground to tell the missile where to go, it doesn't do any good. Yeah, well, exactly I, I think I think I think Joe Biden's definition of over the horizon is, you know, the the guys at Fort Carson. Yeah, I think that's, you're right. That's that's about I think as you're exactly that's about as far learned, over the horizon as you can get, my friend. He he learned from his uh, boss. Well, this drone. Yeah, well, now, I mean, drones matter. are the solution and, to everything, aren't they? And what we'll get is exactly what happened in Afghanistan without any intelligence. We'll get wedding parties and families filling up water jugs and that type of thing. Well, that's what the Obama administration got for eight years. Why would would we expect the Biden administration to be any different? Exactly right. (sighs) Well, Bruce, I uh, hope next week is a little better than this one, although I don't (laughs) hold out much hope for that. (laughs) Have a great week. Bye, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 22nd of October, 2021. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. On behalf of Bruce McLean and the Missing Michael Wade, this is Dale Franks saying thanks for listening. We hope you'll be listening again the next time. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.